Scarantino, and this is the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Every week, I'm going to be talking about a new topic to help you guys get the fuck off the shit that doesn't serve you anymore. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I used to work as a bartender, and I lived in the New York City bar scene. I smoked between a pack or two a day, and I was what you'd call quite overweight. I learned that the secret to adopting a healthy lifestyle is a series of mindset shifts. Unfortunately, they don't always come with an owner's manual, so I decided to start this podcast to give you guys the nuts and bolts without you having to do all the research on your own. Getting healthy does not mean you have to sacrifice your outstanding personality, and it actually can be quite a fun journey. I'm really excited to have you guys on that journey with me. Let's get off together. Welcome back, everybody, on this Monday morning to the Get the Fuck Off podcast. I got a text this week from my friend JP. And as I'm as I'm recording this, I realize I never actually answered JP. So JP, I'm sorry. Hello. I'm sorry I never answered your text. But uh, the reason I didn't answer it is because he sent it in the middle of the night. And he noted that it was past my bedtime. But he said that he was listening to the podcast and he said, cobweb celibacy. And he said, now that's a mood. It is a mood, guys. It's a mood. As I was recording this Friday night, I was thinking, God, that's a mood. I haven't, uh, I have, I am definitely in the throes of cobweb celibacy. And actually, that's a great segue into today's episode. Because today's episode is about being uncomfortable. And I want to really stress the word uncomfortable. It's a very important word. It's a very important word as you guys are moving forward in these journeys that you're on. Whatever whatever that journey might be, whether it be a weight loss journey or it is a sobriety journey or it is a fitness journey or it is that you want to stop smoking, which you should have done five years ago. Like I know I'm, I'm not criticizing you guys for not stopping. It took me 18, so I get it. But uh, there's this theme with all of that stuff and it's called being uncomfortable. And the idea kind of came to me last week when I was uh, exchanging notes with a client. So my I really believe in the power of writing words. So for me, that's a huge part of what I do as a coach. I, I like to keep a log with my clients. And one of my clients, um, I wrote something to this person about the fact that something that is going to occur um, in their life is going to be a little uncomfortable. And The word uncomfortable to me is such a powerful word and it's not a word that we use enough. And I think in all of these respective things that people are going through, um, whatever they're trying to do, when they're trying to make a change in their life, they kind of, they don't really use the word uncomfortable. They use other words. Um, They use words that I don't really care for. They say things like, this is hard. I'm a failure. This is terrible. I'm incapable. I always do this. There's something wrong with me. And they they use all of these words. But they never use the word uncomfortable. And the word uncomfortable is so important. It's the most accurate word for what's, what's going on whenever you try to do something new. Whenever you try to do something new, there's an element of being uncomfortable. It happens with absolutely everything. Do you think that it was comfortable for me to start this podcast? Since I started this podcast, there's been a lot of people that have reached out to me that have said, I really want to start a podcast. And I said, I think you should. And I, I can count how many of those people actually did that on my one hand. And most of them didn't. 
just like most people don't start most of the things that they want to start because why? It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to start something new. And that's why we don't do it. What, what's really, there's a lot of things playing against us here though. And, and I want to really get into this idea in today's society of the idea of ease and convenience. We are living in the era of ease and convenience. In the internet age with apps and flashy colors, we are in the age of ease and convenience. And every single thing that we do is trying to make something more convenient and easier. That is what we work towards as a society. As I sat on the subway when I when I reported to a traditional job and I looked at the ads, a lot of the ads were for different apps. And I always thought to myself, these are actual companies that do things, that have employees. But all of these companies are, are rooted in the foundation of ideas. And these ideas are contributing to the age and era of convenience and ease. And we see it with everything. I mean, I myself live a life of convenience. When I'm living in New York City, I live in New York City for the convenience. I know a lot of people that would agree with me and say that that's the reason that they live in New York City because of the convenience. I didn't wash my own clothes from 2012 up until this last year. For eight years, I paid other people to wash my clothes for me because it was convenient. I mean, when was the last time you picked up the phone and called a restaurant and ordered food? I'm trying to be better about that. So something that I have achieved, which I'm really proud of myself about being that I'm, even though I'm an older millennial, I'm, I'm still a millennial, is that now I, I pick up the phone and make phone calls. And that's something that if you if you meet people that are, you know, even like mid-Gen X, they do that all the time. And millennials are like, no, I would rather take my phone and throw it out the window than answer it. So I've been trying to be better about making phone calls because I find that that is the, sometimes the easiest and fastest way to get some, something done. Um, but I've been better about calling restaurants and ordering because I realized that the, the take that Seamless takes from restaurants is like 30%. And I'm not trying to be all, okay, I'm all altruistic about, you know, businesses making money. But I I am. I am because we all kind of want our businesses to be here when the pandemic is over. So I've been better about it. But before the pandemic, like I never, if I, I would not pick up the phone to call a restaurant to order something. Like that was just not in the cards for me. I was going to use Seamless because Seamless was seamless. I want to press a button. I don't want to go through the idea of using my voice and having the person on the other end of the phone struggle to, to hear me for whatever reason. They usually don't. But I had that idea in my head that they did because I made that up. Like it, it was taking away from my convenience. A uh, huge Amazon person I am. Uh, I, I get upset when I can't have something delivered to me in two days. I went – I had a friend of mine tell me that I should read a book a couple of weeks ago. And I really wanted to get started and I was thinking, oh my God, like Amazon is going to take two days to get that book to me. And then I, I realized I could just go to a store. I didn't even think of, of that as the first option in, in my default mind because I'm so about the age of convenience and ease. But here's the thing about quitting smoking, drinking less, losing weight, getting fit, despite Every single thing that's available to you, an app, a flashy color, an, an online community, the bottom line is there is no easy way to do any of that. Like it's all, it actually takes actual work and there's just no way to make it easier. And here's, I mean, there's ways to make it, make your thoughts about it a little bit easier, but 
the reason why it requires all of this work is because it requires you to deal with your biology. And that is still running prehistoric software. <laughs> like, so our brains and our bodies are the same brains and bodies that people were living with two, three, four hundred years ago. Like they function the same way. So you can't just download something or buy something or install something and the desired result will occur. Like that doesn't, it doesn't go that way. I mean, you can spend money, but that it, you're not going to get the, you're not going to get some sort of immediacy in your result. You're still going to have to put in the time, the work. This is the part where people probably are going to want to click off the podcast, but hang with me for a second. What goes on when you try to make change is that things become uncomfortable. There is always going to be an element of uncomfortable when you want to try to make change. And a lot of the making change successful is just dealing with the uncomfortable until a time when it's no longer uncomfortable. Because your environment is a very strong predictor of how you're going to think and react and behave. Like your environment serves as what is called in behavioral studies a discriminative stimulus. It's something that can trigger you to think or behave a certain way. I mentioned this in my blog and podcast um, and it actually, believe it or not, was in the book Atomic Habits, which is not where I originally read about it. Um, I read, I heard about it in an NPR article back in 2012 about soldiers in the Vietnam War and how soldiers that were left in the country to detox from heroin in Vietnam, only 5% of them relapsed when they got back to the United States. Why? Heroin has like a 90 plus percent relapse rate, yet like only 5% relapsed? That's just mind-boggling to me. Your environment is a strong trigger. So when I was quitting smoking, and I mentioned this in in that particular podcast episode, but I'm just going to highlight it again. I mentioned um, in a couple of, of instances, but a trigger for me to want to smoke was the outside of my work building. Every time I got there, I would feel that trigger. And that's why I said when people are quitting smoking, They should not avoid the bar because what would happen is when they would go back to the bar, what would happen? They would go into the bar. They haven't put themselves in the environment enough times that the environment doesn't trigger that response and that that behavior and then they'd feel these big cravings and they'd think, oh, this is so hard. I'm a failure. I just have to. And, and, And what happened? It's not. That's not the case, but it's, it's, it's the environment. I'm thinking about this right now in particular because of Lent. So a lot of people, um, when they they give something up for Lent, you wonder like, why wouldn't that last longer, right? Like this is this is the same science as the New York New Year's resolutions. Why wouldn't that last longer? If I if I give up something for Lent, well, if I give up alcohol for Lent, you know, I should just be able to to go without it. Why wouldn't that last longer? Well, it's because when you're giving up something for Lent. Number one, there's a definitive amount of time that you're giving it up for. Okay, so first and foremost. Second, Lent is based on what? The willpower method. So that's okay. I'm going without it. I'm just counting the days until I can have it again. So if I was going to work with somebody on breaking a bad habit, I would never start during Lent because the programming of Lent 
would override anything that we were doing together. So I would start talking to them about how you need to, you know, visualize your life as positive without this particular thing. And I would, I would do everything that I normally do. And that person, it wouldn't matter. That person would default to the Lent programming because they have been giving something up for Lent since they were a child or, or an adolescent. So, or however, how, whenever you start doing that. I don't know. I'm not Catholic. But um, they, they've been doing that their whole life. So it wouldn't matter what I said. They would be like, oh, yeah, 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 Andy. Sure. Absolutely. That's, that's what's going on. But in the back of their brain, they would be running the Lent programming. It's kind of like New Year, New Me people with the New Year's resolutions. I don't take new clients in the first two weeks of the year. I, like, I do not do it. The reason that I don't do it is because it doesn't matter what I say to those people in the first two weeks of the year. They are going to be running the default programming of new year, new me, overhaul, everything, all at once, blah, blah, blah. And then what? It would be a failure. <laughs> it would just be a complete failure. So I don't do it. I don't do it. The, the idea is you need to just be with the things that are an issue and as you're eliminating your bad habits or you're eliminating things that you don't want in your life anymore, you have to be uncomfortable. So every single new thing that you do or try not to do or succeed at not doing or change involves you to just sit with those feelings and be with them and be uncomfortable. And it is. It is uncomfortable. I mean, it, it can be something as simple as... I don't even want to say that anything is simple because it's all kind of the same stuff. If it's something that you struggle with, then it's something that will be uncomfortable to stop. And you are just going to have to be uncomfortable. Now, people don't like to hear that because, again, age of convenience. We think that there should be an easy fix. But we are rewiring the head theory. We are, you know, neurons that wire together fire together. You are rewiring your brain to think in new ways. So sober milestones, <laughs> I was talking about cobweb celibacy, but I'll, I'll give you an example. Like there, there are sober milestones that you kind of walk through as you continue with your sobriety and there's, there's a lot of them. I mean, there's, okay, the first party, the first holiday, the first family outing, but one of them that I haven't hit is the first sexual encounter. So I have had sex sober, uh, absolutely, but I haven't had sex with someone for the first time sober yet. So that, as, that ties into my cobweb celibacy. So hello, JP, cobweb celibacy. Um, I haven't done that yet. That is not something that I have done. I've noticed uh, through sobriety that it takes a hell of a lot longer <laughs> to get to that place in sobriety than it did before sobriety because a glass of wine really helps you along in that process. <laughs> like it just, it just gives you just that little extra oomph you need to get to that spot. But I, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I, I have hit all the other big ones. I, and believe me, I feel like my family has, has really spending time with my family that was a that was huge because heavy heavy emphasis on the on the hooch in the house that I grew up in and that was a big one um but the the going to have sex for the first time sober that's that's a sober milestone I haven't hit yet and when I do I'm sure it will be uncomfortable um all the other ones were they were uncomfortable they weren't like oh my god there's something wrong with me life is so terrible now life's not fun you know it wasn't any of that it was just uncomfortable 
Like every time you do something new is uncomfortable. Like going to the bar the first time when I stopped drinking was uncomfortable. I liked the the environment. I liked the culture. I liked the camaraderie with, with my friends. And I, I was a regular at a fantastic bar, which was a casualty to the pandemic. And um, I loved to go. And the first time, second time, it was uncomfortable. I mean, with all these things, you are going to experience a level of discomfort. And unfortunately, there isn't any real way that you can ease yourself into the next part without going through the discomfort. Like it's going to be there. And it's just a matter of looking at it for what it is. This is discomfort. I am uncomfortable. There is nothing wrong with me. I'm not incapable. I'm not terrible. I'm not a failure. I am not inherently broken, flawed. I am not less than. I am enough. I am perfectly fine. I'm just uncomfortable. Like this is how I want you guys to really think about it. Think about it that way. There are some things that you can do. So here's a couple of uh, here's a couple of tips I have for you guys. So to ease with the discomfort, please know that reinforcement is extremely valuable. I used reinforcement when I was breaking all of my bad habits. I bought myself all kinds of useless shit on Amazon. My favorite was, and I tell everybody this, a collection of Mr. Yuck stickers because I am a giant child. I'm 35 years old. Uh, When I was a kid, there was this green frowny face called Mr. Yuck and my mother put, it was poison control, my mother put them on all of the chemicals in our house that was toxic. So, you know, kids can't read so that I wouldn't eat Comet Cleanser. And uh, I liked Mr. Yuck because I liked the frowny face and I liked the color green. So I bought myself at, you know, (laughs) age 34, a package of Mr. Yuck stickers. Bought myself when I was quitting smoking, new running stuff. I mean, that's, I just bought myself presents. Please use positive reinforcement. Reinforcement is so important. Another thing that I did, use apps. Um, When I was stopping smoking and when I was stopping drinking, I used an app for both of those things. So for smoking, I used the app Smoke Free. And uh, I think it's Smoke Free app you can search for. And then when I stopped drinking, I used the app I Am Sober. And that serves as reinforcement as well. And the reason that it serves as reinforcement is because anytime you're feeling like something's hard you can open up that app and you can see reinforcement like um in the smoking app for example it'll it'll show as your health returns to normal things like that and they're a really good crutch for you so they are a good immediate dose of dopamine for you um, when you need it when you're going through those hard times the times where it's really uncomfortable now after a while you might not even look at that app like I certainly I don't open either of those anymore like very rarely um but they're there and I and I keep them there and I I recommend that everybody find a source of reinforcement when you're going through that hard that hard period um when you're going through that hard period with moving into something new but know that your brain your body your biology All of that is designed to keep you safe and protected. And a lot of that is defaulting to what is known, what is typical, what's routine. So even when things don't serve you, 
your body and your brain kind of wants to keep doing the same thing because that's what we're wired to do because that's what's kept us alive this long. So it's everything, right? Except that you have to know realistically that um, those things, they're just not serving you. So you got to go through the discomfort. Do something new. Do something new. May be, be uncomfortable. Be uncomfortable for a little while and things are going to get absolutely absolutely I don't like that word things are going to get astronomically better for you I promise so that's what I got guys on this Monday we made it through February I hope I am not alone in saying that thank God thank God that we made it through February what a shitty month that was for a lot of us I mean it has everything to do with the weather I am again reminding myself of my blessings but the weather can really can work to drag you down sometimes so I'm happy that February is over we're moving into a new month we're moving I like fresh starts you know fresh starts fresh fresh start of the month fresh start of something new and if you are starting something new if you are looking to start something new and you need a little bit of help you can reach out to me uh, send me an email andy a-n-d-e-e at getthefuckoff.com or just go to my website you can hop on my email list there's a bunch of little check boxes you can tell me what you're interested in doing I have a 10-day free email series if all that's too personal 10-day free email series that I that I put together a bulk of the information that I acquired when I was overhauling my life three years ago uh, it's called the drunken fat to fit and fierce in 10 days free email series and I am going to put a link to that in the description of this podcast so you guys can hop on that and uh, for 10 days you'll get emails from me with tons of information a lot of reframes around stuff that you might have not thought about it in that particular way because I, I genuinely believe that a lot of the ways that human beings are programmed and wired are just old they're MS-DOS and we need to be thinking differently because a lot of these old this old shit is what's really keeping you stuck. And we need to stop it. We need to rewire. So check that out. I'm going to be back next Monday with a new episode of the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Until then, guys, take care, be safe, and I will talk to you all really, really soon.